The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Sarah Becker. I'm Jack Newman. And I'm Trevor Flynn, and welcome to the Movie Gang Bondcast. Today we're going to be recovering... uh, (laughs) Not recovering. Uh, in a sense, we're recovering. Uh, we're going to be covering For Your Eyes Only, 1981, Roger Moore flick. Uh, we're going to come back down to earth a little bit after the uh, exquisite high that was Moonraker, uh, at least no in uh, some, some of our opinions. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're missing some of our cast this week. We, uh, you know, our hearts out to you. We're uh, with the uh, the weather being what it is lately. I uh, hope everyone is doing okay with that. But we're going to forge ahead and continuing the <laughs> Roger Moore era here, and we're gonna get through this. This is uh, this film's a bit of a, uh, a, a another pivot point. Uh, tone Moore's shift, pr- uncomfortable tone shift. Yeah, lots of uh, tone shift. <laughs> Uh, this is supposed to be uh, the more serious uh, Roger Moore Bond film, and they uh, do not have the discipline to keep to that strategy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, more or less. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Moore's contract was up, so they actually considered other actors for this one uh, before they settled on him. You know, it was just film by film, so they uh, were considering that. Uh, we've lost uh, M, played by Bernard Lee. This is the first film we've, yeah, and they, rather than replacing him with another M, they elected to say, oh, he's on vacation and uh, have, you know, somebody else step in as the acting uh, head, uh, which, you know, it's interesting. I don't know how they address it in the next film, but we'll see. This is the first (laughs) of five films directed by John Glenn. The uh, former editor on some of the other Bond films has stepped into the directing role. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is interesting. Uh, Topol is here. Yeah. Uh, Charles Dance is here from uh, Game of Thrones. Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Who? Yeah, yeah. he. Uh, yeah. Who is he? Well, he's a henchman that gets arrowed before he has a chance to say anything. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's we'll, why which, I didn't notice which him. Is hilarious uh-huh. that that's exactly how he died in Game of Thrones. Hey. <laughs> Literally, crossbow death. It follows him. I wonder if that's a reference. Doubtful. Well, not Doubtful. exactly, but yeah. Um, this is also the movie that saved United <laughs> Artists after uh, Heaven's Gate almost oh, single-handedly uh, bankrupted the studio. And also the last uh, release just under United Artists before they uh, sold and merged with uh, MGM. I think I don't I don't um, necessarily know that we can say that it saved them then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. Right? Everybody puts it that way. And I was like, but, but okay. really, but they didn't survive for much longer. Uh, basic, very basic plot summary here. Uh, this is from Wikipedia. Bond attempts to locate a missile command system while becoming tangled in a web of deception spun by rival Greek businessmen, along with Melina Havelock, a woman seeking to avenge the murder of her parents. Uh, yeah, let's start with you, Sarah. What do you think of For Your Eyes Only? I mean, I enjoyed it for the most part. Definitely not as much as the last two Roger Moore films. Um, definitely loved the ski chase scene. I, I it was yet another in a slew of good Bond ski chase scenes. I really like the opening number. Actually, I had an early introduction to Sheena Easton, which we might talk about a little bit later. Um, but it's gone over the point 
that I think we addressed not in Moonraker, but in um, The Spy Who Loved Me, gone over the point of now it's getting too zany with not enough functional plot again, just for me personally. Yeah, I, it's kind of like, what do you do after you go to the moon at this point? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jack, what'd you think? Love I, to Paul, though. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of thoughts Paul's about great. this movie. I, Paul, I, like, elevates it as soon as he steps into it. Yeah, I, John John Glenn is is kind of the downhill portion of the Moore era. No and, pun and intended? I'm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Uh, he had no head for heights. <laughs> I don't oh, buy I don't buy the edginess in Bond, and especially Moore's Bond. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work. And well, I, yeah, I, um, you know about I, the car oh, kick. Me, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. I'll let you. Finish. No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, the well, car kick. I was just kick, gonna confirm gonna what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, when he clicks the car off the cliff, that's that's part of yeah. The, it. It's yeah. also like it has the budget, and and I think the stunts in this are very, very good. But you gotta face the fact that stuntman Paolo Rigoni did die of the bobsled chase sequence. So mm-hmm. like, it's less. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just less. In, I'm just less inclined to be like, oh, these stunts are great. Like clearly, like it wasn't necessarily a super. It's never been a super safe set. And yeah. It's not the first time I was going to say it's not the first time someone has been maimed or I maybe even died on a Bond film. But I uh, think this is the first death, if I'm not mistaken. I think there's definitely been like that. Like, I I have no idea because like, you know, what was the reporting structure for that shit back then? I'm sure it was terrible. (laughs) Like, Yeah, I I think it's also just like I, I just I think it's. I think also the other thing, too, is that Moore was the oldest Bond to begin with, and now he's really starting to show his age, and this is the biggest age gap. Like, I like Sheena Easton here, but it's just a huge age gap between her and Moore, and it's just going to well, be for the rest of these movies. Oh, Sheena Easton's the singer. You mean yeah. the, uh, the oh, lead? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bond the lead. girl. Sorry. What's her name? Uh, uh, Carol Buckett is the actress. Melina Havelock's the character. Yeah, I'm right. trying to think. What's the... Uh, and then there's eyes. the way young girl that's just a tease who's in love with him called BB, played by Lynn Holly Johnson, who was 24 at the time. Which, I didn't that's look that's absolutely a direct, directly quoted in a certain Archer episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. did you? I saw a retrospective that mentioned that. Did you? Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but that's, it, it, yeah, they're doing I the that downhill. I as soon as I saw it. Like, there's this, yeah. you know. yeah. She, uh, she figure Carol skater Buquette. and they're at a you know oh, alpine ish yeah. lodge or something and she okay, keeps she's throwing a skater. herself that's at like, the spy whether that's yeah. bond or archer and at first she's like oh no this is bad but then yeah. ultimately is like oh but maybe whatever so top top three bond films that have age gaps are all more films uh number <laughs> three is so old yeah maybe, number no, yeah well it's, yeah. Also, it's well it's, oh my god it's actually it's actually top uh, five so uh number five is moonraker uh him and the and the spy who loved me and then live and let die and then a view to a kill and then for your eyes only she was 24 and he is 53 ew what is yeah. this top five age gaps list like the bond fandom is just like so <laughs> trying to figure itself out that somebody's yeah. already made a top five age gaps list number six is actually <laughs> specter which is weird uh because uh, yeah. uh, L- lucy doe as a psychiatrist dr madeline swan uh she Sado was 30 years old at the time of Priya. Craig was 47, which is uh, that's not that bad. That's not, yeah, I mean, honestly, like in, in real life, my parents, there was an 18 year age gap between them. And that turned out to be OK. Yeah. So, no, granted, I, I, like I, my I, mom was in her 30s when she met my father. So like, th- that's you know, that's like the after key. After a right? certain like, point, yeah, it yeah. becomes more OK. 
Right. And if the fact that she's like 30, 21 and 18 year age gap is much yeah. less. OK. Well, it's also this this case. It's 24 years old with a 53 year old man. And I'm sorry. I don't care how much cinema you put on him like or how much makeup. It just it I just looks weird. And I just it's just unsettling at times. And also, like, she has this air of like vulnerability throughout the film, which is built into the character with just like how like she's hunting people down and he really needs to like help her through that. And it just never rises. Uh, to yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. I have like, a great like, quote from the writer actually who had written oh on uh, some other some, had written on some other Bond films who was like yeah I was disappointed the director didn't know anything with the love story the whole idea was that the great uh, lover James Bond can't get to first base with this woman because she was so obsessed with avenging her parents death and I was like dude are you really that disappointed he didn't do anything with it really <laughs> was that like the director's fault yeah I don't know that's that's a different time but uh, yeah this is the 80s so I don't know we are getting getting there a little bit um jack do you have any other general thoughts on it yeah uh, i i think that yeah i i just think that this was like this is this movie is a response to moonraker mm-hmm. and and i and i'm the guy that doesn't have the problem with moonraker <laughs> like yeah I'm, I'm the guy that likes slender ball you only live twice in moonraker and that's like i don't mind i feel like bond is at its best when it's being fucking nuts and has a shitload of gadgets and is dumb and there's and this is just like the thing this is ohms and miniature for roger moore but it doesn't i'm sorry it's not as good as ohms i know ohms you don't we don't necessarily like, but it just feels like, and, and it doesn't, it's not as troublesome as OHMS. I think that's, a, that's, it's one thing. It's not as troublesome. I'll agree with that. I still think that like, it's just, holy God, it's like, it's like somehow it takes the loopiness of Moonraker and just fucks up what was good about OHMSS. And I think that's kind of where it is. And I think that she Absolutely. could be a really, I think she could be a good, interesting character in and of herself. And, and she almost gets there. And I'm just sort of like, I just, yeah, it's just I, they they treat it the the writer is treating her as like a joke for James Bond. He's like he just can't get his moves onto her, and I'm like that's just kind of uncomfortable, right? Like, like and she almost is, had the chance to have agency, right? Exactly. And there's the other thing too. I'm not really bothered by any of this because it's still more and more just I don't know, man. More sex appeal is just in such a way that it's so non-threatening that like I cannot, in the same way as a Sean Connery movie, be offended in the same way. I just I don't know why the man's the man's like fucking Teflon when it comes to like sexual offense. I just, I see something and he could say something totally sexually offensive and I just, I won't notice it. I have totally blind to his sexual offenses and I'm sure there's myriad of many. And so you can call me a hypocrite, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just how he like carries himself and this, and this is where you're just like pushing it to the absolute extent. Cause I'm like, no, that's a 24 year old with a crossbow and yeah, she needs no. like emotional help. And you're just like this sleaze bag. I, I get mean, it. Nothing will be as bad as, you know, no, the rape not, yeah. of pussy galore or I even yeah. forget which film it was, but there is literally some film where the woman is like, no, please don't. And then they still fuck anyway. And it's deeply disturbing. At least with Roger Moore, there's some at least like suggestion of consent. Right. Well, it, it's exactly like Roger Moore's never like, oh, he, like Roger Moore never slaps a woman. You know what I mean? Like he never like, I think. Is that not true? I'm probably not going to be true. Uh, I'm pretty true. sure that's not true. <laughs> it might even be not true in this. Oh, film, my God. So remember, this is the but, point. Uh, this is my point again. I think it's more like it's more just like a vibe you get off him than anything else. You know, what? like he's a uh, he's like Roger yeah, Moore no, himself. You get the sense that Sean yeah. Connery wants to slap women <laughs> for sure. With Roger Moore, uh, I feel like right there. it's more of in like inter- an interrogation technique regarding regardless right, of the right, yeah, like at the, the beginning of golden gun and uh he has a serious moment when he's right, uh right. you know doing that and it's yeah. 
it's actually kind of compelling that he's you know, trying to find someone and then he slaps the gun out of this woman's hand. And yeah. It's actually kind of believable. Well, slapping um, a weapon out of somebody's hand is different than just like he does backhanding both. them. That's yeah. well, or, or like just giving people's asses like a fair swat like every once in a while. Like I am sure Roger Moore never does that. Right. Like he never. I now I'm not sure anymore. I'm doing that. I, I, now yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, it's like definitely one of those things. get it because <laughs> yeah. I watched an interview with him actually uh, at the time I'm talking about this film specifically, and the guy's like, "Are you a ladies' man?" And the guy and Roger Moore just says, and it's still a nasty joke, but he's like, "You know, my wife and daughter are right over there. Maybe we can talk about it later." But like the way Roger Moore says it, it almost comes off not as creepy as if anybody else said it. So and I, I kind of get where you're coming from, it's, even it's though like, it's still kind it, of a creepy it, joke. It's just like but. this ethos. I think it has to do with him being like somewhat of a pacifist in this like role. It's just like, he seems like a chill guy. And you imagine that like, you know, I, I just like, if you told me that like there was like, like if, if sexual assault allegations came up against Sean Connery tomorrow, I don't think any one of us well, would be like, uh, oh no, that's not possible. Go see, <laughs> like, go see Sean like, Connery, Barbara I, Walters interview. Um, anyway. So oh, no, really? wasn't his like, 90th birthday the other day? I feel really bad then. Like, I feel like I just, I feel like I just like, I'm sure he's raped some. No, that's not what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm, well, no, I'm, just yeah. like as, as a as mostly unrelated point of interest, didn't, didn't yeah, it did, somebody yeah. say like, wasn't his birthday? I think recently? so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Jack, I... You've That's totally got the vibe of this bright and that uh, this is a reaction to Ben Raker. Self-consciously, John Glenn even said, we've gone as far as we could into space. We need to change of some sort. Back to the grassroots of Bond. We want to make a new film, uh, more right. of a thriller than a romp, without losing sight of what Bond made Bond famous, its humor, which I, I do think they lost that a, a little bit. Um, I did not was not crazy about this. Uh, this is kind of fine to me. There's some great action in here, but it's uh, poorly paced, I think. And it, even some of the action set pieces go on for so long that you kind of mm -hmm. lose interest and then you get interested again because something cool happens um, is kind of my most reaction to this. And um, Roger Moore also said like, yeah, the villains are more recognizable as human beings. They don't want to build empires in space or under the ocean, which again, I think is the thing that makes this more than any other I've watched so far kind of forgettable um, because you know, you can't say it's the, oh yeah, it's one of the bobsleds in the skis. No, that's OMHS on your majesty's secret service. Oh, it's the one with, uh, you know, uh, gangsters just want to get rich. Uh, it's also live and let die a little bit, you know? And it yeah. does. It cribs notes from like several different Bond stories. Uh, but before we get into more general stuff, I kind of wanted to get our take on the opening scene because it is so different than the rest of the movie in a way. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of the pre-title sequence? Uh, and then we can get to the title sequence a little bit too. Would you please remind me what happens in the pre-title sequence? It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the Blofeld uh, helicopter it is the scene. Not oh, Blofeld. Yeah. Not Blofeld gets oh, dropped into not? a smokestack. Oh, no, 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 it is. It is. You're right. It's just they never. <laughs> a different I mean, actor. No, no, no. They never mention his name because of the full Thunderball controversy going on at this time, which we'll get there later in the next film. Did Thunderball uh, come out before this or after? Did Thunderball come back before no, this? No, the ever? Thunderball, you know, you the never Thunderball say, remake. You, you never I'm not sure. Never. Okay, I think it was like that. almost, they were almost contemporary, but that legal battle was still very much going on and them dropping him into a smokestack was kind of a dig on the fact that, oh, you can't use him because he's my character uh, thing. Copyright battle a little bit, which is just insane. Like, 
there are some cool parts of this uh, with the helicopter and like the force perspective of them flying a like a remote helicopter into a building. That is actually pretty cool. Uh, um, to, uh, two years after this, this okay. was 1981, yeah. and Never Say Never Again comes out in 1983. So the legal yeah. battle would have had to be going while this film was being released. Oh yeah, dude, it's it was years long. Yeah, so it is yeah. it is explicitly a fuck you. I actually uh, really liked it. As an opening, like, I just thought it was very campy and funny. Yeah. It had yeah. no bearing on the rest of the film, but as a, like, short, isolated sequence, I, I liked it a lot. It is just funny to me that this is supposed to be the more serious Bond, and we kind of start here. I mean, actually, we start on a shot of him visiting his wife's grave, so we all remember that movie happened, which is weird because it never comes up again in this film, and there's not oh. even really a romance in this film where that's baggage. But apparently it was written for the idea that they were going to introduce Timothy Dalton or somebody else as a new Bond, and it was kind of a continuity thing, and it's kind of held over from that oh, as far as is I was that, able to is tell. This just, uh, is this just them being done with Roger Moore and wanting to move on to Dalton? Because that's kind of my take for all of the John Glenn movies is that he is <laughs> uncomfortable with Roger Moore as a person. I wouldn't, and, I don't know, maybe. That's speculation. I, 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 I not, not, not uncomfortable, but he wants, he wants Sean Connery is the issue that I always find. They want it to be bad to this kind of like edgy gritty state and I'm just like it's uh, I'm sorry like it's, it's funny you say that because he actually does the Sean Connery hat thing where he throws the hat out of the hat rack when he goes to meet M yeah, which is yeah. like Sean Connery's signature thing and I don't think I'd ever seen Roger Moore do that before so I mean I could totally see that and yeah I mean they did struggle to get him to be more serious or more like um, more or less more <laughs> I guess yeah. more Connery at it's also times, it's sure. also just this the helicopter bit is just that's some that's like there's nothing that dumb in Moonraker in terms of an evil plan oh you think the helicopter is dumber than Moonraker oh okay. yeah I do yeah. sir like he just he just flies him around for like 12 minutes for it no reason it does go reason. on for a little know, it's long it's absolutely absurd but I just thought it was fun and I was I'll, okay I'll, all he has to do, he doesn't even have to kill the pilot. He just has to like push forward into the ground. He could literally gloat for like two seconds, push the controller into the ground, have it fly straight down, and then his problems forever are fixed. And it's just like, oh, come on, you know, like, fuck you. What do we think of the title sequence? With uh, first uh, first time uh, the singer has appeared actually in the sequence. I will say Gee. this about Sheena Easton, and this is a really weird connection, but my introduction to Sheena Easton as a child was, so everybody remembers the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven, the Don Bluth film, whatever. Of course, yes, Sarah, everybody remembers that hellscape. <laughs> well, yes, but there was a sequel, All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, where they're in San Francisco or whatever, or like they come back to San Francisco. To okay, what's retrieve. the subtitle? I need to hear the subtitle. That, one. Uh, I don't remember. What is it? Go on, Actually, I'm sorry. I want to say Lost in San Francisco, but that was the subtitle to the Homeward Bound sequel. Yeah, so that's go not on. It. I'm sorry, go on. That's oh, okay. Uh, but they, um, you know, Charlie and Itchy are sent back to San Francisco as angels to retrieve Gabriel's horn, but Charlie falls in love with this, like, Afghan hound or Saluki <laughs> or something like that dog who is a singer at this club and she is voiced by Sheena Easton. So that was my introduction to Sheena Easton when I was a kid. And so just like, you know, hear her singing like a real song that isn't in some kids movie 
was very cool for me. Yeah. And I liked she- it a lot. Sheena Easton as Sasha Lafleur, an attractive Sasha Lafleur, Ir- yes. Irish setter, Irish talented, setter, long, a talented <laughs> luge singer. I don't know Don Reeds very well myself, so this is all Greek to me. Uh, how do you make an Irish setter attractive? Looks up art. Oh yeah, there's art. <laughs> <laughs> there is. There is certainly art. art. Yes, it does exist. <laughs> oh God, I ah, ah, ah. Google. Don't Hun dig Google. too deep. Don't dig yeah. too deep. Just yeah. look at the original animation. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 okay. I'm just saying that sometimes Duran Duran coming. The music on this is this movie is pretty fun. I'm gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, uh, I want to get to that too. The score yeah, in general. I, in general, it, it's but, good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. composer went all out on this yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, two things. The two things that makes Migs back. I think the stunts are very good. Uh, I think they're they're high quality stunts. They're a little bit more complicated stunts than Moonraker, actually, in some of my opinion. Uh, I think they're. I think I. I don't know. I tend to remember memorize Moonraker stunts just because I fucking laughed through that whole movie. And I, I think there's a lot less context for shit happening. There's, they just this one just feels like a barrage at times, and not like it's like a lot less well paced than like Moonraker, where it's stunt, stunt, stunt. And it's kind of like, and also I. I also just find that like I just I just find myself pretty bored for a lot of some of this like movie. But I think the bigger thing is like this title sequence is like the first like true hardcore and it's it's 81. So it's the first like hardcore 80s title sequence. And I don't know, like when I think of Bond title sequences, I think of shit like this. Right. Like Uh. and I know that's like wrong because I don't like this movie, but I think of this title sequence a lot. That's interesting because it did not make an impression on me per se, but I do enjoy the music for sure. For me, it's just been kind of like silhouettes of naked ladies for like as long as I can remember now with like very little, very little else to like make me tell them apart. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Um, I really love the, uh, the music in this. This is another departure from, uh, the previous bond films. We've, uh, moved away from our previous composer, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. I am sorry. He's great. But, uh, we are, we're now on Bill Conti and, uh, I absolutely Robotty love Conti. Uh, sorry, no, not yeah, that. Sorry. Not, no, sorry. I took it, took it anime. Wrong podcast. Yep, I did. Sorry. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> um, Sarah, you remember that name? For, you run for those. Do I? I Big Goose Romani Conti. That doesn't. That doesn't. You used to love to say that whenever we reviewed that anime. I'm surprised. Are you even talking? Zero. It's been a few it, years since I've been on anime. It's yeah, been quite it's, a few. Yeah, right it's I'm not giving you shit. It was Re Zero. It was the one where he go. He like screams his name, it's and he's like, hair. "My brain itches. My brain okay. trembles." And he has he all had, these hands. He had okay. green hair. It was like right. a. Oh, sorry, what am I doing? Um, uh, anyway, you're losing me. I'm sorry. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Let's get this back on the rails. Sorry. Um, the disco influence here is on fucking point to me. And I just, I'm sorry this is a contrast with um, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, which I obviously was not, was underwhelmed by in general. But the disco music in, in particular felt like it was just layered on top of like, hey, disco's cool right now. Let's do some disco. Sorry. That's, uh, you know, a professional composer, but I didn't dig it. Uh, Bill Conti's work with disco here and the influence there just fucking works for me. And I enjoyed it so much <laughs> with this far first car chase that we got in this first action scene. It is killer. I, I really, really love it. Um, also the car chase with just this little, what, what is it, a two CV Doe Chevaux, this little yellow car. They blow up the like the cool car, the Lotus from like the la- you know, the other films so that they, which is not the last time that'll happen in the Bond yeah. franchise. Uh, so as a symbol, uh, as iconoclasm, 
so they can have this car chase with this little yellow thing. And Roger Moore supposedly is just like his favorite car chase. Uh-oh. He may have lost Trevor. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Which what? Just means a drunk Sarah and a jack on painkillers is all you got to go with. So <laughs> you're doomed. No, I'm just joking. Uh, well, we're going to wait for him to kind of get back in here. I mean, he's probably talking on his end, doesn't even notice that we're not paying attention to him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the Lotus in this. I think the Lo- I think the Lotus is always a cool fucking car. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Like, I, I always see like the like the ice rack stuff. And this is is this. this the, yeah, this is the one where it's like the uh, like, the you know, I don't know. The Lotus is always going to be like one of the cooler cars for me. And it's just like, but I think there's a thing too. I think eighties aesthetic is like, I don't know. Eighties is always like a cool spy thriller aesthetic. And it's like one of those things that I always appreciate also just for like how it is. And I think like seeing bond come eighties and you think for me sometimes like, because I started in the nineties with like, like, uh, with golden, uh, what is it? It was, uh, golden eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Pierce Brosnan, like, I feel like I go back to the, you know, the first bonds I watched that were quote unquote, the old bonds were like these and it's like Moonraker and stuff. And it's like, Oh, it's so old. And it's like one of those things where it's like, you look at the eighties aesthetic and I think of bond as like this eighties aesthetic that I particularly like. And it's, it's like something that I continue to kind of think about, that's just like it, 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 it's 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 weird because I think of it this way and it's, just, it's like this movie, which I don't particularly like, is introducing all these features of Bond, which I don't particularly think of as like the quote unquote the good features. Uh, I think Trevor's back. How are you, Trevor? Hey, guys. Sorry about that. Don't know what no, don't happened. Worry. Random Internet outage. I was talking about how much I love the music. What was the last thing you heard from me? I, I, I was just talking about how I love the 80s, apparently. And the <laughs> Yeah, the Lotus is amazing. They blow up the Lotus. I know. We talking I about that. I don't know. I still like the Lotus though. It's sexy that they bring it back just for. A it's minute. like a, an iconoclastic, like not the last time it'll happen. A Bond franchise where they well, like blow up I, a thing. I also to, just think this is another moment where they hate the previous. They hate what Ro- Roger Moore has already done. I think that that's sort mm-hmm. of like, like there is. I think this movie has a hard on for hating the Spy Who Loved Me, which is the problem. Yeah, I uh, not to make another unfavorable comparison to this bio of me. I don't know if I already said this. I'm trying to catch up here. If uh, the disco works a lot better here for me yes. than in Spy Who Loved Me. Did I already say that? You did, but but that's, you know, it's, it's important it to say. And I absolutely, you know, I, I, I think I sent a private message to Ben at one point who couldn't be with us on this podcast tonight, but just commenting on how Bill Conti really, like, took the score above and beyond um, how the score has functioned in previous Bond films, and it was so much more successful. One of the best things he does is integrate the Bond theme and never use, like, the whole thing. But he does it in places that, like, make it work, as opposed to, like, in the Sean Connery films, say, where he walks into a library and (laughs) plays the Bond theme. Like, it makes no sense there, but he uses it much more effectively and purposefully here. Yeah. I I think it does help with the action scenes a lot. And the action Mm -hmm. scenes are still fun. Uh, We really like skiing in Bond movies, apparently, which is another reason you can Uh, compare it to OHMS. It's just one of those erudite activities that just signifies Bond, like Baccarat, you know? (laughs) Also, they have the stunt guy who's like there, who's done all the previous ski ones, who's like really good. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed somebody died with the bobsledding thing. That's just so upsetting. Bobsledding I, is just a dangerous ass sport. Yeah, guys. I saw a quick Wikipedia effect that uh, apparently somebody died in a bobsled team uh, sports event like the same exact year and they adjusted the guidelines for like the length of the trench after this, if that helped somehow. I don't know if that was like a cause per se, but hmm. I don't know. It's a thing. I would say I know embarrassingly little about bobsledding, but as somebody who lives in Texas, there's no reason why I should know anything about bobsledding. Although I guess there's no reasons, no reason Jamaicans should know about bobsledding either, but here we are. Um, I was about to say, Disney made a movie that was mainstream that you could have seen, so now you should know that's something. That's true. <laughs> in my defense, I didn't have the Disney Channel until I was 14 years old. So. Oh, I, I don't want to make anybody defend themselves ah, on that count. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, do we want to attempt to go through or not even go through, but like talk about the plot itself at all? Or are we just, I, I, all I would, totally like, I would like you to do your best to summarize, summarize it. And I'm going to kibitz like, fuck, if that's okay to, to kibitz. Yeah. I'm going to kibitz the writing process on this movie. So I'm I, kibitz like I haven't the, you heard know, that verb in a while. Living style in Israel. No, like kibitz, like make, like, you know, like give somebody shit about their plan this is a verb i'm unfamiliar with i'm not i'm sorry i'm, I'm not, not crazy kibitz, kibitz means with kibitz kibitz yeah right. anyway um yeah i'd be happy to apply look on and offer unwelcome advice especially at a card game yeah kibitz yeah all, all right. right sure i have not heard this term before yeah no, all right it's a, uh, she kibitz, learning day she kibitz with friends, a kibitzer. Kibitzer is a Yiddish term for a spectator, usually <laughs> one who you. offers advice or commentary. All right, I believe you. This um, has been Jack's Language Corner, because I'm dyslexic. <laughs> Sorry. I don't feel like that's a dyslexic thing, but okay. Sweet. <laughs> I'm just saying it's um, kibitzing because you probably shouldn't take my advice, and it's unwelcome because you're trying to make a point and move on, and I just enjoy torturing you because you're running the podcast, and this all right, is what everybody does now, to me. <laughs> now I understand why I didn't get the original use of the verb. I thought you were thinking, okay. Um, I will try. Uh, we get the pre-credits sequence. Then we have like the cold open. I can't remember which happens first. It's the pre-credit sequence, right? And then the cold open where uh, we have the, uh, I don't know why I'm calling it that. Uh, it's not cold. It's That's hot. not really that cold. Uh, it's, it's, it's missile related. I don't know if it's nuclear. Uh, but we have uh, the sub that goes down when they hit an apparently uh, unfortunate mine. Uh, that they haul in or that has like this coding device in it. We're, we're in the office with, uh, with Bond and the British intelligence saying, hey, this is important. What if the Russians get it? They can uh, fuck everything up, make us launch missiles at our own people. And uh, so Bond's got to go recover the thing, except they don't know where the thing is uh, exactly. And, uh, but they do know an assassin, uh, assassination attempt, or not an attempt, an assassination has been carried out on somebody that does maybe know where it is. So then Bond sets out to look for said assassin, uh, who is then murdered by uh, the person, the daughter of the people he assassinated. Uh, Bond and her go off and have a car chase together and uh, other shenanigans while they look for the dude. This is where it gets hard. <laughs> I, I also just want to say, like, 
it it's amazing to me like when she he like jumps in the pool it's like he like sends a man to his death and he's like now i'm just going to go up onto this diving board and dive into a pool because i'm a full-grown man that uses a one-inch diving board (laughs) and belly flops into the pool and i'm just like i just like as soon as i saw that belly flop i was like okay zero points well done (laughs) like that's terrible sorry that's just always i did not even notice this no it's like literally like it's like you know how like you get up on a diving board like it's like a one inch tall diving board it's like it's like a diving board for children that he goes off of and i'm just sort of like what he like sends james bond to his death and it just turns around and does like the most like kind of not weenie but just like (laughs) he's like oh go to your death james bond tiny one inch diving board i literally could have hopped higher off the edge of the pool into the pool and it would have been just as cool i have no need for this device (laughs) Uh, also somebody like opens an umbrella and like tries to (laughs) parachute down with the umbrella oh wait that's him bond does that That, of course bond does that (laughs) that's that's that's, because like and the the umbrella shields him from bullets because they can't see where he is to shoot him i just i really i didn't recognize it was bond because he looks this is another critique of red is his his wardrobe in this is very very pedestrian there's no also they dress him his age he looks like an old ass man he looks like he's about to go from like you know out for like like i don't know like a, a golf lesson with the boys and then she takes off in her hair net and she's super hot and you're like why are you grabbing your hair hand old man stay in your lane jesus i don't know it's just not yeah. Uh, next thing that happens is Bond's like got a sight of one of the henchmen who never speaks but is a recurring figure and goes into Q where we see all these cool gadgets that we're not going to use okay. any of because this all is right. a serious Bond yeah. except for the identograph. I just want I just want to talk about like the umbrella for a minute. Do we <laughs> do we want to talk about the consequences of the fucking British government developing a murder umbrella because like that's <laughs> yeah, so yeah. dark. Uh, the umbrella murders you if you Stinging use it in the as an umbrella, which I don't really understand the utility of. I have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The I pun just, amused me so much. just on the dad joke level yeah. of stinging in the rain. Well, oh, I, I just think this is the one where Roger Moore just looks like a dad who's like on an uncomfortable vacation like he's going skiing and it's just he looks like he looks old in his skiing thing and he like gets punched in the side and nearly falls down <laughs> and there's all this other stuff and it's just like yeah he just looks like he looks like a dad on vacation and this is like totally like the dad we're back in like Sean Connery dad bond mode where this is like for the dads of the world to have little powers fantasy trips and we're not really going for like deep things i don't know maybe that's not to say that roger moore previously was going for deep shit but i just felt like it was just like a bunch of shit you know what i mean or is it just just a bunch of crazy shit whereas this is like i don't know it's different i think this is a pretty good summation uh he does kind of feel like he's being dragged around by the plot a little bit uh let's see a little bit the identograph thing happens which amuses me because they turn off the lights and it's like a red room like in developing photography but it's not a it's 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 just, I don't know. It's funny to me. Uh, it's, it's just a very funny well, scene. I'm sure that was the height of technology back in the early 80s. Um, then he goes to meet the British informant that turns out to be the bad guy, meets this ice skater that has a crush on him, which, yes, Sarah, that Archer sequence, I mean, the fact that she's also a skater, that's totally what that is. Uh, <laughs> oh, then, to, to be fair, I don't remember if... The girl from Archer was, in fact, an ice skater, but 
It just there are scenes which are visually quoted verbatim, if you will. Oh, it, it's it's absolutely that. Like it's not it's not like there's like no question that it's like clearly a reference to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We're we're back to slightly uncomfortable scenes of Bond. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's there. Uh, he slams a bunch of people all in a, you can probably tell I'm skipping through it at this point to try and fucking remember what happens. He, uh, uh, gets ambushed by a bunch of people in an ice rink and shoves them all in the goal. Uh, basically he, he gets, he you know, ambushed out, by dune buggies for some reason. Yeah. He, he Just really unintimidating dune buggies. <laughs> the informant tells him you have to go check out this other guy. And then he does. And the other guy says, no, you don't understand. The informant lied to you. He's the one who's doing bad and smuggling these things. And, uh, Oh, yeah. In the process, he sleeps with someone who gives him more information and spills scotch on the couch, which my reaction to is bloody waste of scotch. Um, OK, really, my first know, thought but. was, does he think it's poisoned? But then later on, as I watched more, I was like, OK, clearly she wasn't trying to poison him. So, yes, indeed, you just wasted some good liquor, you asshole. Right. And yeah, she is uh, disposable and gets killed the next morning in a, dune, in a, in a I guess, dune buggy chase on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Topol shows up. And this is like the height of the dialogue in the film, basically, where we have yeah. two people just talking to each other. And, to- and, bon- and Topol convinces him to trust him and actually gets him to drink, drink a drink that he served him in the course of just one scene. And it's, uh, I, I don't know if I'd go so far as compelling, but it's the most compelling thing I think I can remember happening. I mean, if it had um, been anybody else besides Topol, I do not think it would have been as compelling, but it's Topol. He's it, like it, your friend. This is always the inherent thing is that Bond is always going to have more chemistry with men than women. That's just a fact. <laughs> like He's that's just the modern the, yeah, it's, yeah no, it's just it's well, absolutely the exception a fact. of um, how what's her name from OHMS. But, you know, that has it had its own problems. But, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, he to continue. He reminded Vincent, me very much of Karen Bay from. Um, what was the 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 good uh, Connery Russia film? with Love, yes. Green Bay, yeah, the yeah, guy with all the bad. sons. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, he's he's charming. Similarly, for sure, he takes him to this warehouse where we see this like diver suit on the wall. Where I am like gonna be very disappointed if that doesn't immediately show up, and then they blow up the warehouse. So I'm like, oh no! But then it comes back in the underwater sequence when they finally find the downed sub with oh. the MacGuffin. Uh, Speaking which is not of actually the underwater, underwater sequence really quick. Yeah. I just yeah. <laughs> it was so comical to me when there's like the romantic music playing and they're just making like sexy eyes at each other, but they're both in ridiculous scuba gear. Oh yeah. god. When <laughs> yeah. she took off that tank, yeah. I was like, oh they're not gonna fuck Good. right now, right? They're not. It, they're not it's gonna like, do you, that. You have like a foot of gear between your face and it's like, oh you sexy motherfucker. <laughs> you look so good and bright yellow and then i love the underwater villain i love like the like the mini boss villain that shows up in like just a white the diver like, suit tank yeah. mm-hmm. and you just see him it like comes deep. Back he, and I, I almost cheered because it is like yeah, the most yeah. interesting thing it was a thing that was set up that paid off that i was excited for and it was the only time that happened <laughs> yeah it, was, it is like the only payoff that happens in this movie just like emotionally <laughs> mm-hmm. except for the parrot but we'll get there yeah yeah uh, um this underwater sequence interestingly was not actually underwater what at least 
the part the parts that yeah, have it was a uh, studio, the right? Bond girl in them, they were on a yeah, they were on a soundstage with like wind and post effect bubbles and just like a blue filter, I guess, because <sighs> her sinuses acted up so much that she just couldn't do it. The the scene as as written underwater. So that's that's kind of cool. I don't know. All right, I'll admit that you know the CGI that must have happened to create that in the 1980s was pretty good because I had no idea that it wasn't yeah. actually underwater. Add some bubbles in there after the fact. I, I mean, it's yeah. just it's anything that's her and not a stunt double, as far as I you know can tell. Yeah, was is the thing. But yeah, then yeah. they get a clue from their her dead father's talking parrot that tells them exactly where to go, where the thing is, and the MacGuffin that the bad guy has, and then. Bond climbs a mountain and they get it and the KGB shows up and he throws it off a cliff before they can get it. And uh, then Margaret Thatcher has a phone call and that's the movie as far as I can remember. I guess another thing is an Archer reference, right? Like um, that guy Barry in Archer, didn't he show up in the, you know, ski episode? Yeah, he does look a lot like Barry. Oh, the guy that just looks like a Greek statue, kind of, yeah, or something. Yeah. I don't know. But it's, it's always it's, like, that's probably that's probably that's a Bond thing in of itself. It's always a giant blonde man that you punch his abs and he feels nothing. That's like, mm. yes. it's it's like Bond's greatest enemy is abs and teeth for some reason. It's uh, probably a World War Two holdover. It's definitely a, a giant German Nazi thing, you know, Aryan race bullshit thing that they're trying to say, which I don't know why it in the context of this. I don't know why in the context of this, it's always like he's actually is tough. You know what I mean? That's just not what that's not what point meant. It's kind of like affirming what they're saying a little. I don't know. It's like they're dumb. So it's they're not like the ideal man, but whatever. It's I don't I'm not getting into it. Uh, yeah, the parents fu- at the end kind of funny, like him. Oh, like, yeah. The Max, like the parrot flirting with Margaret Thatcher is like inherently funny. I'm going to yes. give him that, oh, man. Um, yes. Why does Bond smash the ATAC? Because uh, the KGB shows up and like has him at gunpoint where they're like, OK, hand it over. Thanks for getting it for us away yeah. from the guy. And then they the Greek don't businessman. kill him. Yeah. Why, which why is, is that? one of my favorite parts of the film is the KGB guy just goes like, just Ugh. like waves his hand like, yep. All right. You got us. And yeah. He turns it, around and gets back in the helicopter. And then the, he just like lets them go and like has sex with like this, his like love interest. And it's the whole also, thing. Also the McGovern, just, when it hits the rocks, like has a slow motion explosion sound. That's also very important. Oh, very, it's, very it's like lovingly done. It's just like a bunch of bullshit in a box too. I love, uh-huh. I love how it's just, it looks like a, it looks like somebody went into a store, got like a child's like sketch phone, stuffed it with candy and threw it off a cliff. I'm like, sure there's confetti. <laughs> The, the amount of shit that comes out of that phone is genuinely hilarious. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um, I That's uh, most of my notes, guys. Is there any other thoughts you guys have on this? Because uh, I did um, my best to get through the plot. I cannot tell you how much I did not care about it. It's kind of just... Slow, a little too slowly, maybe a little too realistically paced, where it's a series of conversations where, like, oh, you got to go here. No, you got to talk to that guy, kind of thing, where I just don't, it's not real compelling to me. I, I don't know. I mean, there are murders and everything in between, but um, I don't know. I don't really, didn't really care about it. Uh, I'll say this again and again. I, I am not going to be a huge fan of Roger Moore and John Glenn. Uh, I don't think it's a fun combination. Oh, that, Jack, you can't say that. We have four more of these. <laughs> yeah. 
what? this has to be this has to be like the tonal whiplash of this after Moonraker, like is is particularly affecting because they just can't quite pick a lane and they keep throwing stuff that is fun back in that I appreciate, but like like they gotta you gotta tell me they, they hit their stride eventually, right? Come on, I, fuck the next one's called Octopussy. I got I got nothing. What? How does that even? This uh, was the more realistic one. They don't try to keep doing that. Shortly. Yeah, they, they you know, they, 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 they figure out real quick that like it doesn't mix with Roger Moore. They don't have the guy for this. They'll get a guy later to make the two movies that John Glenn wants to make, essentially. Uh and 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 I think I just think that they're very dad movies because I feel like I feel like the Timothy Dalton movies, like I'm always like, who's the big Timothy Dalton fan? And I, and that's always like I'm like I'm always questioning that person because like there are people out there that are like, Oh yeah, Timothy Dalton's like the best bond, and they point to these movies and I've just found they're like very revenge heavy, right? Like revenge is always like a John Glenn Bond movie theme where it's like revenge and it's just like and there's always like a, like there's always and also like don't take this the wrong way, but there's always like the most 80s tastic, like blonde bimbo heroines in these movies as well that get smack and they always scream horrifically. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, she gets smacked like she gets smacked across the face in this and this one and this and she, this Easton is sorry. I don't know why I keep wanting to say that it's played. By <laughs> Are you talking about the girl who's too young really, for him or the really, actual that muscle relaxed me? I am. <laughs> I am relaxed. I am hey. Mr. Relaxed. Are we are we talking about the skater or the uh, uh, no, of the crossbow? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Crossbow killer, which is also a thing. Uh, man, she was ahead of her time. That's just something we can't keep chicks out of movies using now. Sorry, chicks. That was really bad. Um, did not get know. that joke. Go on. It wasn't a, it was an admission of fault. It wasn't a joke. Oh, you mean the crossbow killer? Yeah. No, that's a that's a birds of prey reference. Sorry. You didn't see that, did ah. you? Nope. Did not. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just yeah, cross. Thank you for clarifying, cool. though. I appreciate that because I was totally no, lost there for that. Yeah, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Comes cool, up cool. in Buffy a lot, actually. I was about to say, there's a lot of stuff like it became like it became like the bows and arrows and crossbows became like kind of like the female heroine movie weapon of choice. You know Which what I mean? The thing is, like, it looks cool, but in practice, it would be remarkably inefficient. As, yes, I'm finding that out as a rogue playing D and D that you yeah, have to reload. Was like, I was like, Jack's like, like, Trevor's like, this is so realistic. I have to spend a whole turn reloading my crossbow. Yeah, the I amount can't of time it takes Emmy. to reload a crossbow, like you could fire at least three arrows from a regular bow and arrow. You have to be pretty good. I will say this, and you also like well, the big thing that I think is what, what, like was humbling is that like I tried some of those bigger bows that actually like put like like spin on it. It is a bitch to draw those things. You have to be like built like a mother it's oh like Bo- yeah bowmen like we're like bowmen were the hunk of chunks of the old of the medieval world you wanted to have a hunky boyfriend you got you married a, a yield bowman i don't know what this is this is weird that's that's a good advice You're not for wrong, our though. time You're not traveling. articulating it well but you are not wrong i am slurring i need to put a score on this trevor yeah i know i know i was about to say thank you for that advice for time travelers everywhere um i, I think Go you're right though archers <laughs> i was trying try to say that uh, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah. more the more Glenn like conflict thing uh, you alluded to this earlier. I just wanted to make sure we covered it real quick where he kicks the henchman that never speaks, but they think is cool because he never talks. Um, who's trapped in his car off a cliff. He says, I sure it was a bond thing to do, but it wasn't a very Roger Moore bond thing. Uh, to do. It was awful. So, uh, you know, I just that is canon. Like he did say that. So, yeah, totally get where you're coming from with that. What do you, uh, since you volunteered, let's uh, hear your score on this first, Jack. 
Uh, yeah, this is. I don't like this movie. Uh, I probably am going to be in the same place originally. This movie is a huge meh for me. So it's a, it's middle road five. Uh, there's not a lot wrong with it. It doesn't have any. I mean, it's it's not forward thinking by any stretch, but it doesn't have anything, you know, eye soaringly objectionable like previous Bond movies. At the same time, a lot of cool stunts, a lot of good things. Oh my god, it's so boring by comparison to Moonraker. Moonraker is just organized in such a fashion to be a awful movie that is just 100% enjoyable. This is the opposite. This is like a movie that neither reaches the cinematic depths to which it aspires and or is in any way as enjoyable as the previous movie. This this is, this is why like it it matters what you shoot for and they were shooting for HMSS and, and I hate to say that because I think they were shooting for they're just shooting for their they're, they're shooting for a vision of Bond that never existed. Uh, and I think that's like they're because I think a lot of times people are pulling from better movies and better movies at the time periods and other like spy movies. And they're shooting for like as everybody comes back to Bond and they're trying to make capture recapture that and put it into an 80s context. And I think it's fine, but I think the plot just like like this this heroine that is just out for revenge, just like st- like it's such a complicated plot for essentially for what is essentially a gadget that probably could be explained in one sentence. And it's just like they don't need to be exploring and divers as well as all this other stuff. There's just there's a lot of excess writing in this movie, as I think there's like there's just a lot of like why <laughs> like, like why are we why, why do we need to have this aside scene about her parents like she they could have just been murdered in, in one of the, any context like and she could have been training for the last five years and there could be it could be an unrelated context and that could you could just say he killed them back in the day i don't know why she talks like that in my mind but that's how she talks all right so that's a five from jack sarah how about you i gave it a, i give it a six but for essentially pretty much the same reasons just i would rather watch this movie than a lot of the other bond movies that we have watched so far in our run it's fine there are some really good moments in it i really like when he you know dumps oh shit well blofeld yeah he dumps blofeld down the chimney like it's it's a one-off and it's funny and it's stupid but I sometimes like funny and stupid and I liked it on Sunday when I watched this. Um, I love Topol. I love Sheena Easton who does the opening song. I really did like the ski chase scene in this one. I know it's not our first and I know it won't be our last, but I thought they did it really well. And there were some really good actiony things in this. However, the plot was incredibly confusing and honestly, by the time we get to T'Pol's appearance, I really don't get what the plot is anymore. <laughs> um, but still fun for the action sequences and stuff. So six out of ten. All right. And Jack, did you have a score from Ben for it? Yeah, I do. I got this. I got a whole thing to read. He gives it oh, a six. Good. Yeah, he gives it a six out of ten. Uh, one one I like to revisit because I've seen so little. Topol is amazing and hits those great buddy friend roles. I love great stunts, especially the rock climbing and opening. But more shows his age, more the biggest age gap ever. And I don't buy that. Even God, I said the exact same thing. But uh, I don't. Was buy, that before or after you read this? I've not read this. Yeah. I, wow. I don't buy the even slightly more edgy bonds. See more kicking the car off the cliff. All the same things we said. Yeah, I, I think we've covered his thoughts pretty well. 
yeah, the age gap is real bad here, guys. I don't know. Maybe it was after I found out about I, the age whenever gap. Whenever you were saying really that the whole time, it. I didn't realize the uh, Bond girl and the ice skater. They're the, the actresses are the same age. And, and the fact that you're so bod. The, I think the thing, the fact that the script intentionally makes us cringe at the ice skater and Bond, it even like knowing now that they're the same age, it's like it cringes me. The so script much. does make you cringe. That is one of the worst parts. That is the worst part of this is that not and only is she happens, young and but yeah what happens in the script is that it completely infantilizes the um ice skater yeah she's written to girl. be annoying you're like yeah, the, the, it's annoying like someone said okay you're childlike. 24 pretend to be 15 or whatever you know yeah. like it's yeah <laughs> it's not great then the other girl like as i said earlier like almost and had she been written a little bit better you know got to have agency so that makes her seem older but yeah now yeah. learning that they were the same age is weird yeah i, I just, just think about, i'm gonna, like the thing I'm gonna say here is that holly goodhead is still in my opinion yeah. the most capable what really well just that name oh it's a terrible name yeah she's still the most capable bond woman of oh, the yeah, war era absolutely. like no like it's, it's it's one of those things where it's like she actually like gets her own for most of that film and is like an astronaut and does all these other things and then it's like fucking all of the other girls and the rest of the mo- all the John Glenn Bond girls are highly infantilized outside of like this like one revenge lady and they still have an infantilized girl in there and it's just like it's one of those things where I'm like I'm in his proclivities for this are just sort of like written across the thing and it's not as bad as it's more you know it's God knows modern movies do just as bad things now but no, it's I'm not rubbing gonna, my uh, head because yeah. I'm like Jack we have four more of these I'm so what are you talking <laughs> not about not like, excited now John, John Glenn movies dude I, I love you it's downhill from me until Timothy Dalton yeah, I mean that's what. Well, he direct. Okay, those that includes the the um, the, hey, the Dalton he gets, movies. He, he also gets to, he gets those, to do so. more of what he wants in the Dalton movies, yeah. and so I think they hang together more. I just yeah, think I that, that he is at odds with that, and I think A View to a Kill is the one that makes me go, "Whoa, what the fuck!" Also, Moore is just too old by A View to a Kill. He's too old now, but he's really too old by A View to a Kill. He's just it's it's almost like geriatric movements. And I love Roger Moore. Don't get me wrong. Like we've but we've we've covered the best of it. And it's and I hate to say that. That's I, like it's depressing. Don't just tell like, me that. Yeah, we've covered. I mean, <laughs> I really we, need yeah. well, been here yeah. to disagree with this. If he happened to ha- happens to even have the opposite opinion. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, but we, I wish you. Yeah. What, what is um, your score, Trevor? This is a good question, though. I am really just met on this. Uh, I really dig the uh, there's a lot of skill on display with the action scenes here in a otherwise really forgettable, uninteresting plot and film. <laughs> um you know, we got a car chase, a ski chase, and other yet another underwater sequence, which does kind of have a big like uh, boom on it uh, with a diver suit, which points for that. And we got this rock climbing sequence that is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, don't give two shits about the plot. Uh, not that you ever do, but it's just like ah, too. It's can you even remember who the villain is really, or like what his name was, or what his plan was? No, not no. really. <laughs> They just want because they just the want money, and it's like not that interesting. Is the villain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still, I still don't want to talk to Ben about that movie, and we're gonna have a conversation. I'm gonna be like, dude, I come on. <laughs> I give this a five point five, um, which adds up to twenty two something divided by 22. four 5 scores divided by four comes out to five point six two five. All right, thank you. Or a six, uh, unfortunately. Or a six. Get yeah. out of here. 
5.65. We're not going to round down to 5.5? That's right. We don't round to half points. Is that right? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I tend to round right. up. Uh, but I, 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 well, 6.25 you'd round up. I could, it's probably 5.5. It's 5. fine. It's fine. We can round to 6. I don't care. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, the road is dark ahead, but maybe we'll have a break from more if we uh, get around to doing the... Uh, <laughs> Thunderball remake starring Sean Connery again. Yeah. Well, this also, is what happens. Are we gonna are we gonna get around to Austin Powers or are we gonna save that for after we do all a bond? Oh no, we'll never mention, finish. We have to say we have to obviously before the next one we gotta do Never Say Never Again. That's what I was saying. Uh I do think it, I do think that's yes. a movie to look at because like holy crap, it is a movie. All right. Well, it is a thing that was made on film. It is definitely back, a movie. <laughs> come back next week if you want us to hear us talk about a movie. Uh, that, yeah. that happened. Debatable still. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, please leave us a like, you review, you a you subscribe, all the, all the things. Um, you can outro if you like. Yes. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. For the Movie Game Podcast, this has been Trevor Flynn. You just like saying that. I do. Yes, a lot. Goodbye. Sarah Becker. Thanks for listening. I've been not your host, Jack Newman. I've been your muscle relaxed Jack Newman or Mac Ruman. No. No, I'm no. sorry. Stop. It was, it was slightly better. <laughs> Anyways, head on over to the Tuscan Shed Media Network. That's the Tuscan Shed Media Network.com. We're going to check out all our other uh, podcasts, including Animania. Uh, we no longer have the becker but we do have an ed he's good uh he's not as good i mean he's he they're like you know i don't want to compare him that's not what i do on podcasts i don't have people on and compare them and have a list of who i trust more to be on what pot no i'm just kidding um <laughs> i'm not kidding that that exists clearly that doesn't exist i'm not helping myself here anyways check you out sure you want to do the outro i can cut i you did off yeah again. i regret it immediately uh i what what is start must be finished though head on over to uh twitter and uh, and uh, Facebook where you can like and subscribe to our pages. We're at the underscore movie underscore gang. You can check us out there. Also head on over to iTunes where you can give us a like and uh, or what not a like. You can give us five stars. We'd really appreciate that. It's the purple icon. Helps us go over the charts. We don't know why it happens, but we really appreciate that. Uh, if you don't want to give us five stars, don't go over there. Maybe. Yeah. Just take a, you know, little dive off a tiny, 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 tiny diving board and I won't be in the bushes with a crossbow waiting for you to die <laughs> plotting your murder for the revenge of you killing my podcast parents whatever that means which secretly are Trevor and Sarah who got murdered on a boat which is sort of weird so why would you guys be in the Carib- <laughs> Caribbean Caribbean I can't see Caribbean somebody help why are you guys Is not helping me the Caribbean me? or the Mediterranean I don't fucking care or know it's probably <laughs> the Bahamas <laughs> ah! <laughs> not again it's always the Bahamas with Bond alright goodbye what everybody was- uh, I was gonna say a thing but it's cool what thing what was left Tuscan Four. Shed Media Network? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. From, from everyone here at the Tuscan Shed Media Network and by extension, the Movie Gang Podcast. Thanks for listening. You need your own outro. Like, that's how the cookie crumbles. I, I just used to have one written. I just have...
been so long since I've used it that I forgot about it. I should write it. I should write more things. I've discovered that I'm much better when I have things written down. All right, stop recording. I thought you had a written down outro. Okay.